Welcome back, everyone, to FF Plus, your outlet for weekly reviews that are simple, short, and spoiler-free. I'm your host, Aaron White, and tonight I am burning the midnight oil to bring you these two new reviews for upcoming films that I think both of which are absolutely outstanding and I'm excited to talk about because it has been quite a while since I've felt this energized about a pair of films that I get to talk about on the show. If you're enjoying the show, as always, I would ask that you please leave us a review, a rating on your favorite podcast app of choice. It helps us out, helps us get noticed, and always does give us a little bit of a good feeling as well. So thank you for listening first and foremost, but if you have the time to drop a review, that would be much appreciated as well. With that out of the way, let's get right into the reviews. The first film is The Woman King from Sony Pictures. It stars Viola Davis, Thusu Mbedu, Lashana Lynch, Sheila Atim, Hero Finds Tiffin, and John Boyega. It is directed by Gina Prince Bythewood and written by Maria Bello and Dana Stevens. What's it about? This is the story of the Agoji, the all-female unit of warriors who protected the African kingdom of Dahomey in the 1800s with skills and a fierceness unlike anything the world has ever seen, and General Naniska as she trains the next generation of recruits and readies them for battle against an enemy determined to destroy their way of life. I'll be honest, I had practically no expectations heading into this film. In fact, I might have even skipped the press screening for this movie if it had not perfectly lined up to be on a Friday night where I was able to bring an extra number of guests. So I wanted to take advantage of that. For some reason, it didn't jump out at me. It just didn't seem like something that Viola Davis would be able to carry at this stage of her career. I've never seen her or thought of her as any sort of action star. She is 57 years old. And what I can tell you is do not ever doubt Viola Davis like I almost did because she delivers wow. Here she is knocking this out of the park with this incredible, incredible performance in a film that is absolutely amazing and it it lends itself to the gravitas of her persona. The movie itself feels very old old school. It is in the style of a historical epic. Prince Bythewood has said that she took inspiration from some of my favorite movies like Last of the Mohicans, Braveheart, and Gladiator. And you can see elements of all of those here in this movie. There's romantic situations there are you know built up to very strong fight scenes it was also shot in south africa on location uh, over about a five-month period which really does add a lot to the movie you feel like you're there not on some sort of a stage somewhere in hollywood it does make you believe that this is a tribe that you are hanging out with, that you are experiencing somewhat what they experienced. It doesn't feel fake or manufactured in the slightest, and that was uh, a very welcome thing. I mentioned Viola Davis. She is the strong, fierce leader of this Agoji tribe. 
She also has a very quiet, emotional arc. I don't want to give everything away about why that is. Uh, she's mostly reserved and, and controlled as the number one advisor to the king. Uh, she is the guardian. She is in so much power, and she has such respect for her position and for this tribe or this 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 group of warriors that the Dahomey employ and the rules that come along with that. Like you can't ever take a spouse. Uh, there are you you really it's it's a very tight knit group and it's run like a lot of military units have been over the course of history where they deny themselves in order to ensure that they are 100% focused on their training. They are 100% committed to each other and to their task, which is protecting their homeland and their people. The other performances are all outstanding, though. This is a movie that I think is a strong contender for the Seattle Film Critics Society Best Ensemble Award. Lashana Lynch plays a, a character named Izogi, who is a warrior and chief trainer for the Agoji, and she is my absolute favorite part of the film. I think Lashana Lynch just has that star quality about her. She lights up the screen when she appears, when she smiles, when she cracks a sarcastic joke. She brings an electricity and a heart, a beating heart to this movie that it would not be the same without her. Even though everyone is doing exceptional work, she stands out amongst the crowd of already top-tier performances, and that's saying a lot. Sheila Atim also stands out as Aminza. She plays uh, Naniska's closest friend and top general, and she's equally important, if not much less focused on, but she subtly portrays this support system that Naniska needs and doesn't really have outside of her because she's the only confidant for this character that is so in tune with being the leader that she refuses to allow herself even some of the small pleasures that her other Agoji group members get to experience. And so I feel like without her, Naniska does not get to be shown to us nearly as a well-rounded of a character. And so the two of them together are super important. Uh, Thuso Mbedu, uh, she pulls off a rebellious teenager, doesn't understand her culture or even respect parts of it. She's a child who shows up and wants to become part of the Agoji. And she goes through this training and then, you know, enters into this fight with them. She's also the subject of the film's romantic subplot, which is very sweet and it is handled in a way that doesn't feel at all overly unrealistic or sugarcoated. And it, honestly, it's kind of neat because the character that she ends up in a romance with, and, and romance, take that very lightly. This is not the kind of movie that you might think of when I say the word romance. It is more of a, a little bit of an interest and a little bit of a flirtation that happens at one point between these two characters. It's not at all a huge part of the film, but it's important because it is an aspect of this character that is showing us like she wants to be part of this Agoji unit, but she also doesn't really want to give up 
that interest in someone of the opposite sex, right? Or that interest in being in a relationship at some point. She's never really had the opportunity to truly deny that, but yet she has. And so it gives us that. And then the the person that she is entering into this relationship with helps provide us a point of view of someone who is mixed race, someone who did not grow up in Africa and understand their culture, but he is confronted with it head on and has to kind of weigh the life that he had growing up in Europe versus what his parents endured growing up in Africa and what the people that they came from are now having to go through that he himself is unwittingly part of. The production design, the costumes, the score, all the technical elements of this movie are really, really great as well. The action is another category in the Seattle Film Critics Society Awards that I expect this to be nominated and have a really good shot at winning honestly is the fight choreography is off the chain this really shows us how brutal and amazing the agoji were they use spears clubs swords the length of their fingernails <laughs> yeah hatchets all sorts of weapons and it, it really is intentionally focused in on realism versus looking like superhero acts. And I appreciated that. I mean, there is a a heaviness to the combat. There is a loudness, the kind of thuds that you hear when certain weapons hit a body. All of that is represented in force. And it adds to that overall immersive aesthetic of just a very brutal time in history. Also important, to this film is that it's not just showing the Dahomey people against the European slavers. The Dahomey are actually facing off against another rival tribe in Africa called the Oyo Empire. And the movie is commenting heavily on the historical fact of these African nations who would be complicit in the capture, rape, torture, and murder and selling of other Africans because they wanted to take their land and accumulate wealth. It's tragic. It's awful. You hate to see it, but it's important to know these things. And I like how the film handles this and shows the difference in how these two African nations, the Dahomey and the Oyo, approached the arrival of the Europeans in their lands. The film doesn't serve as a perfect history lesson, but it certainly does give you a snapshot of that. And I think it could inspire people to want to go and learn more about what actually happened when Africa was colonized and how those events took place and what it has led to to today. One other quick note that I think is really cool is that Prince Bythewood, when she started this project, she prioritized department heads who were women and people of color. And so you have the cinematographer, Polly Morgan, the production designer, Akeen McKenzie, the costume designer, Gersha Phillips, the hairstylist, her name is Louisa Anthony, and even the visual effects supervisor, uh, Sarah Bennett, and an editor, Terilyn Shropshire. They also let the local South African artist uh, Babalwa Shiselwa handle the makeup. And I thought that that was really cool. 
Prince Bythewood had this to say, the thing is for women and people of color, often the resumes are not long because it's about lack of opportunity, not lack of talent. So when you're in my position, it's important to look past the resume. And I think that that is just a really fantastic and enlightening quote because I'll admit, even at times I myself have been guilty of thinking, oh, wow, you know, this person doesn't have very many movies. If you ever try to rank your favorite 10 female directors and you look at their filmographies, maybe try and find five female directors and find six, seven, eight great films that they've made. There aren't very many out there. And that reason is not because there aren't as many great female filmmakers as male filmmakers. It's because they haven't had the opportunity to make that many movies yet. And this is what that made me think of. And I just think it's really, really encouraging that someone who had the ability to control this movie that was being made, the story that she wanted to tell, uh, she really took that and ran with it and was able to provide this uh, to these other people, these other talented artists. And they all, I mean, look, what they came up with, this movie is outstanding. It is one of my favorite films of the year. I absolutely recommend it wholeheartedly. I think you should go see it in a theater. It's a crowd pleaser. And take your kids. It's mostly family friendly, I would say, outside of a little bit of the brutality. Teenager type kids, not toddlers. <laughs> but it's in theaters on September 16th, and I couldn't recommend it more. A big, big fan, and I, and I hope that it gets a lot of awards love this season as well. The other film I'm going to be discussing is Blonde from Netflix. This stars Anna de Armas, Adrian Brody, Bobby Cannavale, Xavier Samuel, Julianne Nicholson, Lily Fisher, Evan Williams, Toby Huss, David Warshawski, Caspar Philipson, Dan Butler, Sarah Paxton, and Rebecca Wasaki. It is directed by Andrew Dominic, and it is written by Andrew Dominic, and based on the book of the same name by Joyce Carol Oates. What's it about? This boldly reimagines the life of one of Hollywood's most enduring icons, Marilyn Monroe. From her volatile childhood as Norma Jean, through her rise to stardom and romantic entanglements, Blonde blurs the line of fact and fiction to explore the widening split between her public and private selves. I just got home from seeing this film a few hours ago and it was one of those special movie going experiences for me i see a lot of films and a lot of times they sort of just run together and it increasingly takes a lot to wow me this movie wowed me i felt like i was seeing something that i had not seen before presented to me in a way that I was unfamiliar with, but yet was incredibly enrapturing and engaging from start to finish, despite being two hours and 45 minutes long. I'm not going to critique the accuracy of the events depicted. I know very little about Marilyn Monroe's life. I haven't read the book that this is based on, though, as I understand it, it certainly is not intended to be a biography of any sorts it's supposed to be more in the realm of a fictional interpretation or examination of some of the facts and how we think 
someone might have interpreted, how we think Marilyn Monroe might have experienced some things. So I am evaluating how the film achieves its goals in doing that and how it affected me. And I just wanted to put that out there because I don't know how someone who knows a lot about Marilyn Monroe might feel about this movie. I'm sure it skips over important details in her life. And once I get into talking about it a little more, you're going to see that it certainly is taking a single angle at how she is presented to us. And it may rub people the wrong way. But I think it is mesmerizing, captivating, spellbinding. As my friend Don Shanahan said, pick a word. The filmmaking is honestly masterful. And it just is never not engaging. Chase Irvin's cinematography is a big part of the reason why. That combined with Dominique's scene composition makes it just an absolute feast for the eyes. I kept having that term, every frame of painting, come into my mind while I was watching this movie. It was like, man, I could snapshot that and make it a screensaver or a desktop background. And it's all sorts of different types of cinematography, too. So there are black and white portions of the film and there are color portions of the film and it frequently goes back and forth between them but from scene to scene as they transition it works incredibly well and i couldn't pick up on a specific reason for this but that just made me want to see the film again because i would love to understand some of the stylistic choices and how they might be intentionally representing certain aspects of norma jean's life the way that the story is being told to us, it is basically a fantasy that imagines being in the head of Norma Jean or Marilyn. We start off by seeing her abused by her mother, and we learn about how her father was not known to her, and how that lack of a relationship and also the experience with her mother really informed her entire way of thinking about herself and her place in the world. It's not an easy watch. It's heavy and very challenging. It is maybe the first biopic that I've ever seen that doesn't specifically go into the celebration of its subject, but rather is just a morose, flat-out tragedy, honestly. It rarely, if ever, shows you any reason to think that Norma Jean was truly happy with being Marilyn. And it presumes that she possibly could have been happy as Marilyn with different circumstances, but we're not walking through her life like a typical movie structure would, where you're seeing ups and downs and highs and lows. It's mostly just lows. <laughs> and even her highs, she is always wrestling with this double persona this face that she has to put on for the public, this, this idea that is Marilyn Monroe and what this icon is and what this sex symbol is to the public, the obsessive public that is fixated on her looks, her sexuality. And the movie definitely is examining that, and I think it's devastating the toll it takes on someone who is already broken into pieces due to so much childhood trauma, you see that. I mean, my heart was going out to her 
And it made me think about my own subconscious feelings about celebrity as sex symbol and and how the media portrayal of celebrities is never really exactly what they are. How this vision that is painted and shown to the public can be completely different and completely manipulated to the benefit of often men, to be honest, but to people in power in general. And I feel like that's what the film is trying to do is to critique that and its effect on those that are the target of this kind of obsession with physicality. At one time in the film, she says, some people love Marilyn and some hate her. What's that got to do with me? And I think that that quote encapsulates the struggle that we see her face in this movie. This, this idea that Norma Jean and Marilyn are really two different people It's almost like a psychological thriller in a sense. Because of that, you often are going through this experience with her, this explanation of her life and events as they're happening. And it's, it's, it's eerie. It's kind of ghostly in the way that Anna de Armas portrays her. The performance is incredible. She's got this fractured psyche and she has to, use so much nuance and it really resonated strongly with me on an emotional level throughout the movie is full of difficult subject matter and so i'd be remiss if i did not mention this because i think it's going to be very hard for some people to watch this it's full of trigger warnings essentially you're gonna see child abuse both physical and emotional you're gonna see sexual assault you're gonna see An abortion from the point of view of a vagina. I will say this about that scene because it's been talked about online and I myself was really nervous when I heard about it and how that was going to look in a movie. The whole way the abortion is played in this film is powerful. It is extremely emotional and artfully depicted, I will say. I never thought I could use that term having watched this, essentially this vagina being opened up for an abortion to be performed. But the way it happens, you don't see the actual act of the abortion taking place. I should like be clear about that. But the effect that it has mentally on Marilyn and how she gets to the point where it's occurring and how she feels about it afterwards is just, it, it hurts. It hurts hard. And I thought that it pretty much could not be handled any better. I was really, really impressed with that. But point being, that's in this movie, and that could be very painful for some people to experience. You're going to have substance abuse, lots and lots of gaslighting, and a whole lot more. I mean, honestly, it's just a ton of really, really hard to deal with stuff that Marilyn is going through over the course of her life. But the end result of this is you being able to look at her differently and not just as the way that Hollywood has wanted us to see her. And I would say the hope is like, like I mentioned earlier that in examining that each and every one of us as an audience member, perhaps we will then maybe have a little bit more humanity 
towards modern day celebrities and we'll maybe we'll change the way we think of them maybe we'll expect the media in hollywood to show them to us differently and more thoroughly than they do also with regards to the nc17 rating anna is topless quite a few times throughout the film as marilyn there are no graphic sex acts that were shown there's a simulated blowjob but no genitalia is there and then there are a couple of simulated sex scenes but again no genitalia or any sort of nudity is shown with those i was actually a bit surprised honestly that this got an nc-17 rating i think that it probably all boils down to that abortion scene i think that's what pushed it over the top nothing else about this really feels anything more than an r but that's what it got rated and that's what you got to deal with so i really really was blown away by the filmmaking in this. I think Andrew Dominique is an amazingly talented filmmaker. His movie, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward, Robert Ford, stands up there in my favorites. And I think, I well, I obviously enjoyed that movie more, and I like the story of that movie more. I think this might be the more perfectly constructed piece It's just not something that I am going to likely want to watch multiple times because it's just so hard and it's so sad. And you know going into it that it doesn't have a happy ending. But it's a must-see, in my opinion. Absolute no-brainer, one of the best films of the year, best picture contender, awards season darling, I hope. I know it's going to be divisive, but that's the side of the fence that I fall on. Blonde will be in select theaters in New York City and L.A. on September 16th. It will then expand to select theaters across the country on September the 23rd and will play for one week. And then it will be on Netflix globally on Wednesday, September the 28th. Well, that's it for me this week on FF+. Plus. Hopefully, as always, I've given you some information that will aid in your decision making. And if you do see one of the films that I have discussed, let me know. Find me on social media. You can locate me on Twitter and on Letterboxd at Aaron L. White. That's A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E. You can also find me hanging out in the Feel and Film Facebook discussion group. I always love to chat. I'll be back soon. Until then, keep watching and keep feeling filmed.